Before we read the scripture uh, this morning, I want to say a quick word. Um, I came to this church almost five years ago, I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly, as an intern for the youth ministry program. And I spent all summer helping and ministering at this church and realized at the end of that that, uh, well, thank you God for the experience, but I'm just not cut out for youth ministry. Um, and so I took a step back uh, until a little while later where I got a text um, in the middle of a Sunday morning uh, from uh, Mr. Carson Sevitz, who uh, texted and said, hey, they're hiring a new youth minister. You should definitely do that. And after I told him about how we shouldn't be distracted during a Sunday morning service, <laughs> I, uh, I called Greg and they hired me. And that basically set me onto this path now where I can stand uh, in front of this congregation as a pastor for this community. And so I want to say... I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you because this uh, church has allowed me to grow in this position uh, and to get to the point uh, where I am now, so I wanted to say thank you to all of you. This morning, we are in the letter to the Galatians, written by Paul. Chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. So hear now the word of God. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian. I'll say that again because it's important later. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need our law as need the law as our guardian. For you all, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are His heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to go ahead and warn Tyler. Tyler, keep it wide because I roam. You're the man. This morning I want to frame this sermon with basically three questions. This helps me stay on track and you to know where I'm headed. So it's kind of a, a give and take there. So three questions to kind of set the stage for us this morning, and we'll work through the passage in light of these questions. The first one is, what is the law? 
Paul makes a very big deal about this at the beginning of this passage. He's talking about the law. The law uh, was our guardian. We were put under protective custody by the law. And so if we can understand what the law is better, then we can understand how we have moved on from it. Second, I want us to uh, think about the question of what has Christ freed us from? Paul talks about taking on new identity. And so what is it that we are being made new from? What has Christ freed us from? And the last question, and this is really trademark for me uh, when I'm working with my students, is, is kind of a so what question. The last thing I want us to think about is how will we, we as the church and we as individuals, how will we respond to what Christ is doing in our lives? Sound good? Three questions. Seems easy, right? So, first, Paul talks about in verse 23, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Now, I don't know about you all, but I know about me. And I know that whenever I hear the term law, I think of like a courtroom with like some stuffy judge and there's like a gavel and it's really like an iron fist law. Ooh. And if you break the law, you get sent away and locked into prison. That's kind of my first gut reaction, law. However, I I want us to kind of shift that thinking this morning because the words that Paul is using to describe this law, this thing that we, I think, in our English language, it it has a lot of baggage with it. It has a lot of um, uh, connotations of like, oh, don't break the law. You'll go into the slammer. Like, kind of that. Paul is using words like protective custody, being guarded by the law. And the reason why, while I was reading the Scripture, I I made sure to repeat the word uh, that the law was uh, to be thought of as our guardian is because that is really the key to understanding how way back in the, the time that Paul is writing, how they would have viewed this relationship between the law that was given to the nation of Israel and the Christ that came for all the world. The word guardian in Greek, I looked it up because I have the internet, and the word guardian in its Greek form is pedagogue, pedagogue. And as I looked and kind of did some research, the interesting thing is this term, this pedagogue, it is a role that the Greeks would have been very, very familiar with because this was a household person, usually a slave or a servant of the house, that would be tasked with making sure that the children of the house got up, made it to school, did their lesson, learned something, was, was with the teacher, and then made sure, the pedagogue, would make sure that the children then safely made it back home, and this is what I think also is very interesting, would make sure that the lessons of the day were applied to the student's life. They would kind of quiz them and make sure, hey, did, what did you learn today? We're going to make sure we drill that into your head, kind of thing. So this relationship, this word pedagogue, is the same word that Paul is using when he describes the law. 
And so to answer that first question, to help us better understand this passage, what Paul is saying is that the law, the law was not bad. It doesn't, it's not that kind of way that we think of it maybe today, but it was given to us so that it could bring us up as young children. It would safely make sure that we had safe passage to the true teacher of Christ, would show us Christ, would show us the truth of God, give us some information, some knowledge, and then make sure that as we walked, as we left school, the law is applying those things, those revelations, those new realities that we experience in God, making sure that we apply that. And so that's the first answer. What is the law? The law is not the ultimate teacher, and it's also not terrible, okay? Because sometimes we read it and we're like, oh, the law is bad. Just believe in Jesus. Well, the law was essentially a go-between. The law would show Christ and make sure we were following it. But then Paul continues... He said that the law, it protected us until we could be made right with God through what? Through faith. And that's really the key differentiation that Paul is trying to to make sure that the people understand is that before you followed the law because you had to do the right thing, now it's all on faith. It's all on faith. And so, Paul says that in, in coming into faith, we are now children of God. We are children of God. And we are supposed to put on Christ once we're baptized, like putting on new clothes. We have new identity in Christ. Just the way that if I'm wearing just a t-shirt around the house and I put on a really nice hoodie... Now, I'm the guy that's wearing a hoodie, not just the guy that's wearing a t-shirt. You know what I mean? You follow me? Amen, church. Yeah. Woo. So, <laughs> so, in doing so, there is a change that is happening after our baptism. There is a new identity that we are taking part in. And so, my second question that I ask is, what has Christ freed us from? What has necessitated this change? Why do we need to have a new identity? Why as Christians do we need to be made new? Isn't just believing in God enough? Paul would say no. Paul would say your belief is contingent on the change that you make in your identity. And he says it here, there are no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And Paul writes earlier in his letter to Romans to emphasize this even more. And I'm not going to wing it, I'm going to read from Romans. So, Romans 8, verse 1, it starts like this. So after this new identity, okay, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from what? From the power of sin that leads to death. Church, 
sometimes I can feel real burdened down. Amen? Sometimes it just, you just feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders. And what I realize is happening there when I feel the most crushed down and low and just beat up by life, I realize something. I realize that it's because I am giving in to the power of Reverend Marcus Montgomery Price II, not the power of God. I am denying the power, the life-giving power of the Spirit, and I'm still putting on the old suit and tie of Marcus Price instead of the new clothes of Christ. And so, in coming into new reality with Christ, we are allowed to put away, put into a box, and push it in the back of the corner. We don't have to rely on our old self anymore. Because we have new hope in Jesus Christ. And Paul, in saying that, um, that we no longer have uh, this identity, he says, and, and for a long time I was confused by why uh, Paul wrote this in Galatians, why he says that there's no longer uh, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female. And I read some commentaries on this passage specifically, and they said, no, we're not just, once we get baptized, you don't turn into some like uh, just blob of holiness that has no identity and no personality or anything like that. And again, guys, I work with children, so I have to make sure they don't think that they're going to get baptized and come out of the water as a blob of holiness. Like, I have, to, I have to make sure that. But instead, it's beyond that. It's how we identify as ourselves. It's not that we are male or female or Jew or Greek or slave or free, but the first thing and foremost, when we introduce ourselves, when we walk out of these doors and when we walk into the world, how are we identified? We are Christians and we are Christ's body on earth. That's the change. That's what God has freed us. That the baggage that we had previously no longer applies to our new and spirit-indwelled self that we have. And so making sure I don't lose track of time, because I am apt to do that, I'm going to move to our third question. How do we respond to this word? How do we respond to Paul's, um, really his plea to the, to the Galatians? Because it's important to, to note, and, and I should have started with this, Paul's writing to a church that's having a major identity crisis. He's writing to a people that essentially they were uh, started up by Paul, and now he's, he's having correspondence back and forth. And there are other people that are Christians but are Jewish Christians who are coming to the uh, Galatians and saying, no, you're not doing it right. You're supposed to follow the law. You're supposed to, you're supposed to um, convert and be circumcised and then you can believe in Jesus and then you can uh, fully enter into the kingdom of God. And so the Galatians are kind of uh, lost for words. What are we supposed to do? We thought we were doing the right thing. And Paul, he has to kind of rectify this and figure out how to not lose this community to this outside voice that's saying they're not really doing the right thing. 
And so that's where kind of the spirit of this, when he's talking about identity, when he's talking about who you are in Christ, it's not that you are, uh, uh, it doesn't matter if you're Greek or you're a slave or you're a man or a woman, it's that when you walk out and become the body of Christ, that is the first thing people will see. That is the first thing that you should act on. And so their identity crisis starts to subside a little bit. I joked with uh, Pastor Jeremy. I said, Unity in Christ, fine title for a sermon. I picked it out myself, so I think it's rather nice. But there's something to be said about picking a sermon title and and then writing your sermon later. Because then you kind of, eh, maybe there's things that uh, you could apply a little bit better. Identity in Christ probably would have been a better title, so bear with me, give me grace on that. And so, in our new identity, uh, how do we make the most of this? How do we respond to God's grace? How do we make sure that we are putting our best foot forward as the new creation? We talked uh, last, uh, last Sunday, Pastor Jeremy talked about God recalling everyone at Pentecost, uh, uh, banning everyone under the same language, the language of the Spirit, the language of God. Wonderful for me. Now, I'm saying once we are gathered together as the body, what do we do with that? Do we just stay put? Do we just lock ourselves up in the church? Do we just make sure? Do we sit back and say, smite them, God. We're good. And just sit back and watch? No, church, no. So we have two responses that we can do. One of these examples is a bad one. Don't do the first one, okay? The second one is a good one. It's from Jesus, so it's extra good. So, the first way we can respond to God's change in our life comes out of one of probably the most troubled prophet in the Bible, the prophet of Jonah. And if you don't know the the, uh, prophet Jonah in the story, he he, uh, fought with God and he said, I am not going to go to Nineveh. And that's from the VeggieTales movie. Um, And He fought with God and fought with God and fought with God. And then finally he goes, he preaches the shortest sermon in the entire Bible. And then he sits on top, just like I did. He sits on top of a cliff and he waits for God to do his work. Kill him, God. That's what he says, essentially. Um, And it sounds harsh, because it is. And God brings up a tree, a, a nice bush, and it shades Jonah And then the bush dies, and Jonah is in a fit, so mad that he just wants to die. It says it right here in the scripture. And let me pick up right here in verse 9. Hi, baby, I know. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Sounds like a toddler, kind of. Anyways. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly, and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for this city? We can respond by locking ourselves up. We can say, we've been made new. The rest of the world can kick it. And some people view it that way. 
isolation. They want to protect what they have and not take any risks for the kingdom. That's a dangerous place to be as a church. We've, we already saw <laughs> a few years ago what it feels like to be locked up in the house, communicating over Zoom calls, bored to tears, not being able to do the, the hands and feet work of God. And now we have an opportunity to go out once again and do the hands and feet work of God. And so I encourage you not to be like Jonah, but to hear the second example, the good one. And this comes from the Gospel of John. Chapter 13, starting at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from his table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. This is the example that Christ set. And now, disclaimer, because Pastor Jeremy and I joke about it, washing feet is kind of nasty. It is, inherently. But it's something that they used to do because it was a way that the, the teacher, the leader, the servant, uh, the master could, could become the servant, to get on their, their knees and to do a servant's work. Okay? How can we, church and individual, find the way that we can serve the world in this, with the same heart, with the same nature, with the same intention as Jesus washing the feet of the disciples? What are the ways that we can reach those that need us? Church, this is work that should make you a little uncomfortable because God, the Spirit, just thrives on the edge of uncomfortable. And so I pray this summer that we find ways to be able to go outside of our comfort zone and to once again take up our identity in Christ and to be the hands and feet of God. I said that I came to this church almost five years ago uh, when I was uh, just starting out, maybe the first maybe two or three weeks. Andrew Singh pulled, pulled me in his office and he said, how's everything going? I said, oh, it's good. Um, we're doing some fun games. We're doing, you know, some, some summer camp stuff, you know, some, a mission trip. It, it's going well. And he said, good. But never forget, there are still souls that need to be saved. I've taken that with me. I've remembered that. And I want to share that with you. We as a church, we have a lot of good going for us. But don't forget there are souls that need to be saved. Would you pray with me? Father God, you have claimed us for your own. You have invited us into the banquet of your family. You have dressed us in the garments of Your Spirit. You have given us new life. 
Let us not throw that gift away. God, there are still people that need Your love. Let us be the one that shows them that love. God, as we go out and as we are called and as we step out into the world, a world that is full of hurt and pain and fear, that we may confidently go with Your Spirit. God, even if we are burdened and feel like the weight of the world is on us, let us be reminded that we can put our burdens on the one that can handle them. Because that's who you are. God, speak to our hearts and let us go out of this room changed. Father God, we also lift up our pastor, our friend, Brother Phil, and his family. God, show him comfort. Show him love. Be with him. And Father, be with us. To your name we pray.